God is always good, and He's always exciting and wonderful, and uh, I, I always just uh, get so inspired to want to talk about His goodness, and uh, just to remind you that at the end of last year, which is December, every one of the messages, all four of the Sunday messages, was about forget the old things, forget the former things, everything's going to come new. And we were celebrating and talking about upgrades and God's going to change the way we do things. Never will change the message, but he's going to change his administration, he's going to change his strategies and his structures. And so anything that you feel is like shaken and it's changing and you don't feel like, oh, this is not convenient, just remember, some of us got involved with routines that were predictable, that didn't need any faith, and we just lived comfortable, but we weren't making advances in the kingdom, some of us. We weren't seeing an increase. We got stuck somewhere. And I believe that not, all, not everyone, I'm just saying all of us to some degree may have got overcomfortable in routines. And I believe God is doing new things. And after this coronavirus is finished, we're going to see the church operating much more effectively, a lot more inspirationally, and a lot more in the supernatural and moving in the moment. So <clears throat> I want to talk today about something I'm convinced about. And I'm telling my friends around the world that the church is moving to a higher level of the miraculous. We don't run after miracles. We don't run after signs and wonders. We're after Jesus. We're after the integrity of his word. We honor him. He is the most attractive person in the church. He is the one we honor and we praise and we glorify him because he loves us beyond what words could express. And we love him because he loves us. So when you put him first and the gift of righteousness and the kingdom of God, God adds things to us. So money will run after us. Blessing will run after us. Supplies will run after us supernaturally. But friends, signs and wonders will follow them that believe. The signs and wonders are meant to be done effortlessly because we have a miracle consciousness. Now, in the next while, I'm going to be talking to you about how to eliminate every lie of the devil. Because lies are designed to kill faith. Lies are designed to kill promises. Lies from the devil are designed to murder people, to murder the church. Lies are designed to stop the promises of God. Now I'm going to explain to you exactly how that works. But I remind you that last week I spoke about three evil, horrific, demonic lies against the Holy Spirit. Three demonic lies from John 16 from verse 8 to verse 11. And people have lifted verse 8 out of its context and made three demonic lies about the Holy Spirit. And we read the rest of the, the verses, 9, 10, and 11, and I showed you exactly why those were lies that people have said about the Holy Spirit. And I got reports from different parts of the world. <coughs> Rob, you totally exposed those lies on the Holy Spirit. I've never seen it so clearly. I feel the presence and power of the Holy Spirit on me in a much more powerful way. Listen to this, please. The more you, you remove religious lies, the more the supernatural consciousness of certainty and the miraculous power of God will operate on your life. 
So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, Paul says, <coughs> we apostles, we're like boxers. We don't punch the air randomly. We don't punch the air haphazardly. But we punch with purpose. We punch with intent. And so today, apostolically, I'm punching with purpose. I'm punching, targeting a very specific lie today. And I promise you this, when it is totally eradicated from your consciousness, you will see the increase of the supernatural power of the Lord God Almighty operating in your lives. Please understand this. You don't get free from lies in one message. There are people who've been hearing lies for so long and they grew up with religious lies that they can hardly ever believe the truth. But if you keep continuing, you will see as lies are eradicated, eradicated, as lies are removed from your unconscious, your subconscious, and your conscious mind, you will see how powerful truth begins to operate in your life. And so this is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, in verse 31 and verse 32. <clears throat> he says, if you continue in my word, in my truth, you are truly my disciples. If you continue, if you continue, if you lean forward today into the word of God, if you set aside this hour and say, I'm going to have lies removed from me. As we wash our hands every day, many times a day, we are washing away a potentially deathly substance called coronavirus. We, we don't wash our hands uh, once and then leave it for three days. We are constantly, continually washing our hands so that a poison, a toxin, cannot penetrate our lives. Now, Jesus said, if you constantly, if you continue, continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. It's not an occasional revelation. It's not an occasional washing by the water of the word. It's a constant bathing. Every day, you take today's sermon, you meditate on it, you get some notes out, get your pen out, turn. I'm gonna open the Bible to some places. Turn on your Bible, whether it's on your computer or in writing. Turn to it, or if you haven't got time to turn to it, write down the reference because then all through the week you can be thinking about it you can meditate on it so when you come back next Sunday you are with me and ready to, for all of us to go to a much higher level of the miraculous demonstration of God's power so Jesus said in John <clears throat> chapter 8 verse 31 and 32 if there's a big condition if you continue in my word you are truly my disciples. Next verse, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I can lay hands on you until you go bald. It will not set you free unless you get truth in your heart and mind and eradicate, wash the lies off your heart, off your mind. And if you've been part of religious lies for decades or years, you've got to understand you're still vulnerable to go back to those lies as a default sitting. You have to get to a place where your consciousness is so saturated with truth that sets you free, you begin to reign and rule with dominion authority over all lies. And when lies come, you recognize them and you discern them immediately. Can you say amen? So lies are designed by the devil to kill faith, 
to kill the promises of God, to stop people encountering the supernaturals of God. That's what lies are. They're religious traditions that many of us were brought up with and brainwashed, brainwashed with and conditioned with. And the power of the Holy Spirit must come upon you and the word of truth, you must continue in it so that you increasingly get free. If you get free to some degree, don't stop there. Keep progressing to deeper and deeper realms of freedom until every part of your spirit, your soul, your mind, and your body is supernaturally free. That's when you'll see the greatest miracles happen in your life and through your life. Now dig into this and get ready. You know, in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says in verse 5, it says that some people, it says they have a form of godliness. They have an appearance of godliness. They go to church and they look like Christians. But it says they have an appearance of godliness, but they deny the power of God. And then two verses later, verse 7, it says they're forever learning, but they never come to a knowledge of the truth. Why? They've been so saturated with lies from the devil. They've been so soaked with lies that they literally can't understand the truth when it's coming. And so they don't continue in the word. They hear the word and it doesn't make any sense to them because they are wired by lies. They're full of lies. Continue in the word. Stay under the word and you'll see changes in your life. Now, in, in, I'm going to turn you, if you look at 2 Timothy, I, uh, I'm, I'm setting this up for something very, very powerful. For this week, I saw a verse in the Bible, I was reading through Romans, and I got to Romans 5, Romans 4, and the word of God just opened up to me. And in, in one second, I saw how that scripture was connected right across the Bible. And so we're going to go there in a moment. But listen to this. In 1 Timothy, sorry, in, yes, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, I mean, it says this. I want to say sorry again. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy, please open your Bibles if you can. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1 says, the Spirit clearly says, the Spirit clearly says. Let me say that again. The Spirit clearly says. There's nothing unclear about this. This needs to be very clear. The Holy Spirit really wants the church to be very clear about this. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. They will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. It says they will abandon the faith. Lies are there to murder faith. Lies are there to murder the promises of God. Lies are there to deceive people. And what are the lies? If you will read down, it will say forbidding this and forbidding that. It is legalism. It is self-righteousness. They put on God's people legalistic lies, burdens that they can't carry. And so people depart from the faith because of hypocritical false teaching, spirits of lies. Now, if you go to John chapter 8, one of my favorite scriptures to expose the devil is very, very interesting. John chapter 8, we're talking about lies are designed to stop the supernatural. And the church around the world is not moving in the level of the supernatural. 
that we're meant to be. See, the world is waiting for the miraculous. They all went after Harry Potter because of all demons and spiritual things and supernatural things and mediums and wizards and prophesying. Why? Why? Because if you deny people made in the image of God, signs and wonders, the dead raised, blind seeing, deaf hear, prophesying by word of knowledge, reading people in the spirit, telling them what God is saying to them. If you take away the authentic, sincere, genuine, supernatural, which is, mostly, which is meant to be going on every day. Jesus did miracles every day. The early church did miracles every single day. Signs and wonders. If you take that away from this world, they will go towards deception from liars, from the demonic. So the church needs to step in to the supernatural and demonstrate Jesus is alive from the dead, not just by words, but in power. And so we read John, John chapter 8 and verse 43, and Jesus is speaking, why is my language not clear to you? Now I'll tell you, when a speaker is speaking the truth, and Jesus is the truth, and his language is not clear to people, it's because their heads and their hearts have been brainwashed by years and years, even decades of religious lies, of self-righteousness teaching that contradict the truth of the gospel. And it is a fascinating thing to preach truth. And here's the truth preacher, Jesus, the truth himself. And people can't understand his language. And he's speaking their language in terms of Arabic or Hebrew. He is speaking their language. And yet in their own language, they can't understand what he's saying because they've been so brainwashed and deceived by lies. That's like they dull and they dumb to the kingdom of heaven. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. They don't have the power of God. Why? They've been deceived by religious lies. This is what Jesus said. Verse 43. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are, are unable to hear what I say. They can hear audibly what he's saying, but it goes right over the head. They deflect it. They push it away because they've been brainwashed by demonic lies that are designed to murder truth, murder signs and wonders, murder the church, and destroy the promises of God. Look at this. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear, because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning he was a murderer from the beginning we're going to look what Jesus meant by that in a moment he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. Now there is no one like this in City Church. We are not so far gone by lies that we can't hear the truth and understand the language of truth and vibrate inside of our spirits with the words of truth. But I promise you there are people out there that have gone so far into lies 
that you will need to walk in the supernatural to set them free. Now, even Jesus walked in the supernatural and they still did not believe in him. So you and I stay free from lies. Get free from lies. Totally free from lies. Continue in the word until we know the truth and the truth sets us free and we can manifest the miraculous without even trying. Filled with a divine consciousness because we're free by the truth. Now, I want to read to you 2 Corinthians. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Man, it's, it's good to be reading from the Bible and opening the Bible. I hope some of you are opening your Bibles and actually finding the place or at least writing it down so that you can go back this week. If you're serious about getting free and continuing in the truth, you need to open your Bibles or at least write down these verses and go back through the week and meditate on them. Otherwise, you're just eating food, passing it through your body, going about your life and getting older and you're going to die. The reason to become a believer in Christ is not to miss hell and go to heaven. It's to become more and more like Christ. It's to have the authority and the dominion of the kingdom and be a son and a daughter of the Most High God and walk through this earth set free with truth so you can deliver people under the lies of the devil. We need that power. We need that anointing right throughout Hong Kong. We need to see churches raised up that are, moving in the miraculous and moving in the supernaturals of God. Not by just one message on a Sunday morning, but because we take the message and we continue in the truth and we read it and read it and think about it and pray over it until that truth has gripped us and forced out the toxin of lies. All of you are washing your hands every day. Why? Because you don't want a coronavirus to get into your eyes or into your mouth or nose. So what about us taking the same continuation in the word of truth and washing the off our hearts and minds by meditating. Don't let someone else do all the preaching. Hear the preaching, write it down, look at the scriptures, pray it through. So by next Sunday, you are so ready for the next message. Amen. Come on, say hello. Kick the chair in front of you, shout, slap someone on the back and hit someone in the face and say, wake up now and phone people and say, get out of bed. Rob's preaching now and I think it's going to be hot in a moment. Okay, here we go. First Corinthians. Chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. <laughs> I'm getting better and preaching in a room by myself. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Well-known verse, could quote it, but I want you to read it yourself. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, there's a scripture there that people can just read and not really think much about it. I think we should think when we read the scripture. Let me read it again. For no matter how many, God has made many, many promises. Many promises to you and me. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. Every promise God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it did not say no matter how many promises God's made, they are maybe in Christ. It didn't say they could be in Christ. It said no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. They are all yes in Christ. And God is not a man then he can lie. Now, if we're just honest and we look around the world today, we need to ask ourselves, 
Are believers all over the world seeing every promise that God has made manifest in their life? Are we seeing the promises of God, all of them manifest? Jesus made a promise. Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone that believes in me will do the miracles that I'm doing and even greater miracles because I'm going to the Father. We'll talk about that next week. But that is a promise. And it's yes in Christ Jesus. It's not no, it's yes to anyone who believes in him. The promises of blessing, the promises of victory, the promises of joy, the promises of reconciliation, the promises of miracles and healings, the promises of favor and success, the promises of with long life I will satisfy you, the promises of renewing our youth like the eagles, the promises of the glory of God, the blessing of Abraham. And think about this one, Galatians 3.29 says this, It says, if you belong to Christ, we do, City Church. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. What is the promise? The promise is you have influence over the world. The promise is that God gives us, the seed of Abraham, the capacity to bless nations, for nations to know about us, for nations to be aware of the blessing on us, the miracles on us, the power on us, the revival on us, and the supernatural operating through us. Because every promise God has made, no matter how many, they all yes in Christ Jesus. He asked the question, why aren't they happening? Why aren't they all happening? Why don't we see right across the world every promise is happening? Every promise is yes. Do we ever stop and ask ourselves, Well, you'll hear some people say, oh, well, you see, the first century church, they had miracles, they had signs and wonders, they had all the power of God. There in Acts chapter 5, Jesus was already in heaven. Jesus wasn't on the earth doing the miracles. He was in heaven already. And we had Peter's shadow healing the sick. And it said they brought all the people that were sick and crippled, the bad cases from all the surrounding villages of Jerusalem. They brought them into the streets. And the early church prayed for them. And it says, and they were all healed. And demons were cast out. It says there they were all healed. There was a service where everyone, thousands sick, were all healed from surrounding villages because everyone believed this. Everyone knew these promises. The entire church wasn't divided. Some, some cautious about miracles. Some say those days are passed away. Some saying God doesn't want to heal. Or No, they all believed it was God's will to heal everybody. So when they prayed, they prayed, Oh Lord, stretch out your hand. Let signs and wonders and miracles be done by the name of your holy child Jesus. And give us boldness to speak your word. And the whole building was shaken. The whole church was It wasn't a few anointed people. It wasn't a few anointed apostles. All the thousands in that church were full of faith and the promises were working. And then you got people that lie. They lie. They say, well, they didn't have the Bible then. Well, that's true. They didn't have the printed Bible. But then they say, but then God gave us the Bible and the Bible, the word replaced miracles and the power of God. Well, friends, the printing press only came about 500 years ago. That means one and a half thousand years without a Bible, printed one. And how can the Word of God replace miracles? How can this Word of God replace the power of the Holy Spirit? If this Word that's supposed to replace miracles, if this Word says every promise that God has made, no matter how many, they're all yes in Christ Jesus for us. How can the word that replaces miracles promise us miracles? What? We should prosecute these lies. 
we should expose them that have robbed for thousands of years believers and have kept them in the dark ages under law and religion and it's killed people, it's destroyed people. Miracles complete, almost completely disappeared for one and a half thousand years. And we had abuse, immorality, gender destruction, racialism, no miracles, no signs and wonders. Demons controlling the church with lies. Their lies are from the murderer that kills faith, kills the promises, and wants to stop the church investing in blessing the nations of the earth. Hong Kong should have been reached by now. It should have been filled with the glory of God if this gospel was believed by every preacher and every Christian. Every promise that God has made is yes in Christ Jesus. Yet we have to ask the question very honestly and come up with a biblical answer. Why don't we see every promise being answered in prayer? Now understand that some promises have process. They don't happen immediately. I have a process. Many promises, many miracles happen immediately. But some promises, there's process. You know, but Abraham had process. Abraham and Sarah, they had process, but the promise was answered. And so some people never see the promises of God answered in their entire life. Now, I want to say this. I say this strongly, that I believe that so many of us as Christians in the world today, we still have wrong thinking in our heads. We have still got lies in our heads, and we've still got a mixture of self-righteousness and the gift of righteousness. And so I want to turn you to Romans chapter 4, and this is the word today, and it's going out simple, and it's going out clearly. And I believe that as you stay with the word and continue in the word, you really are as disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now in Romans chapter 4, as we open the scriptures there, Romans chapter 4, and I want you to, I want you to think, I'd love to jump around you and tell a lot of jokes and be funny and keep your attention, but do you mind if we just stick with the scripture, stick with the word of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the truth of the word of God. Faith is released. Lies are exposed. Truth sets free. Supernaturally. Okay, so... Okay, so stick with me, stay with me. I'm going to ask you to make this more simple. Whenever you see the word law in the scripture, put over that word in your mind, think of self-righteousness. So when you see the law, you think self-righteousness. When you see the word faith, think of the gift of faith, okay? That will make it much clearer for people to get confused about law and grace. When you hear the word law, think of self-righteousness because that's what the law requires of you. The law doesn't supply you with anything. The law doesn't give you the gift of righteousness. The law demands righteousness from you by your behavior. So the law is self-righteousness. And then you've got the gift of righteousness which happened on the cross, the finished work of the cross. And so... Self-righteousness self is the law. When you see faith, think of the gift of righteousness. Now, the gift of righteousness is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is as holy, pure, clean, righteous God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is. As righteous as they are, 
you have been given the gift of God's righteousness and forever you're seen from the Father's eyes as the righteousness of God. In other words, you're as righteous as God is because you have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So many passages in the Bible call the new covenant gift of righteousness everlasting righteousness. And this is an everlasting covenant. The old covenant of the law is a temporary covenant, became obsolete, redundant. It's been stopped. It's forbidden for the new covenant people. So the law, think of self-righteousness. When, it comes, when you hear the word faith, think of the gift of righteousness. Now, you are righteous and as righteous as God in his eyes as long as Jesus stays righteous. As he is in the throne room of God, if he stays righteous forever, you are righteous forever in Christ Jesus. Self-righteousness, the gift of righteousness. I've just explained to you why you can't mix them together. They are totally opposite. You can't have a little bit of self-righteousness and a little bit of the gift of righteousness. You try that mixture, they both cancel each other. They create the lie. They are not meant. The whole New Testament is written over and over again to deliver people from this confusion, this mixture, this cocktail that's crippling the church and lies. City Church, we're going to be a people that understand you can't have a little bit of self-righteousness and you can't have a little bit of the gift of righteousness. You have to choose because I will show you something now that I think is going to shock you and amaze you. So here we go. It says here in verse 13 of Romans 4, It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring, which is us, it is not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, I'm going to read three more verses on, two more verses on, but I want to go back there and use our little uh, word play that I asked you earlier for. It is not through self-righteousness that Abraham and his offspring, that's us, received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that is the gift of righteousness. I want to read that again. It was not through self-righteousness that Abraham and his offspring, that's us, received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith or is the gift of righteousness. Now the next verse, verse 14, for if those who depend on the law, if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. Faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. Let me now read it with our wordplay. For if those who depend on self-righteousness are heirs, the gift of righteousness means nothing, and the promise is worthless. To operate in self-righteousness is to make the promises of God worthless and faith worth nothing. And you see, God will say yes to his promises. But when our wrong thinking of going back under self-righteousness 
When we do that, we make the promises of God worthless and we make faith of no value. God cannot say yes to a promise that's been made worthless. God cannot say yes to faith that's been made nothing. How do we make the promises worthless? How do we make faith of no value? By being self-righteous. We either walk in the gift of righteousness, which is everlasting righteousness. It is the authority of righteousness. Or we must walk in self-righteousness. And self-righteous people do not raise the dead. They do not see blind eyes open. They don't don't see cities shaken by the power of God. They don't see the glory. They don't become more and more like Jesus and operate in the power of the kingdom of heaven. Because self-righteous people, what they do is make the promises of God worthless and faith of no value. So here's the thing. We can cheer up and be happy about this. But so I just want to push in what this lie has done. This lie, demonic lies about legalism and self-righteousness in the church worldwide has stopped the miraculous. It's not because it was thousands of years ago miracles were happened. God doesn't do miracles today. No, it's what we believe. It's how we stand. It's are we relying on the gift of righteousness Or are we living in a mixture? A little bit on the gift of righteousness and a little bit on my self-righteousness. If we're doing that, we're canceling the promises and we're making them worthless and we're making faith of no value. Let me say it even stronger, but I'm saying it as strong as the scripture says it. If we go back under self-righteousness or mix self-righteousness into the gift of righteousness, it's just as if Christ never died on the cross. I know people celebrate Easter and they get religious about it. In the Philippines, people actually whip themselves and put themselves on crosses and nail themselves and bleed. And the Roman Catholic Church does this and Protestants, oh, oh, Jesus died. But the scripture says, if you go back under self-righteousness, you make the promises worthless, you make faith nothing, and it's just as if Jesus never died on the cross for you. Now that is incredible, incredible, just to think about that. So look at Galatians chapter 2. I love the scriptures, not people's traditions, not their opinions, the scriptures and their context. In Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 21, Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. I love that. Paul, an apostle, he used to be so legalistic, he was so Jewish, He celebrated all the Jewish festivals legalistically. Then in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I no longer do that. I put no confidence in the flesh. All of those things are dung. They are rubbish in the new covenant. They had their place before the cross. They have no substance now. They are shadows. I will not go through a calendar. I won't celebrate these festivals or do them anymore. Because if I do that, I come under self-righteousness and the beggarly principles of this corrupted world. Paul the Apostle knew those festivals had their place before the cross as a picture pointing to Christ. But now Christ, the perfect substance, has come to carry on with the shadow is an insult to grace. And it tramples the blood of Jesus underfoot. And it makes the promises of no effect. They become worthless. And so Paul refused to do that. And that's why with all of his experience as a Pharisee and then a conversion on the Damascus Road where Christ knocked him off his feet by the power of God and, got, and Paul got his gospel from Jesus, from Revelation. 
And that's why he says, I, I do not set aside the grace of God. But what he's saying by that, it is possible. Christians are setting aside the grace of God constantly. And as soon as you set aside the grace of God, you go back under self-righteousness. Self-righteousness will stir up sin in you. Self-righteousness will lead you into adultery. Self-righteousness will make you a bigot full of condemnation, shame, guilt, arrogant. You'll have an appearance of being a Christian, but you will lack the power of God. You won't be like Jesus at all. If you set aside the grace of God, this is what Paul says. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Self-righteousness is a statement that says Christ died for nothing. Now when you say Christ has died for nothing, by setting aside the grace of God, you are making his promises worthless. And faith of no value. I am amazed by that. Look at Galatians 5. You say, Rob, like, you, like you're like, like heavy about this and like you're really serious about this. This is a matter of life and death. This is a matter about people in the city being aware Jesus is risen from the dead. He died on a cross. He's raised from the dead. He's alive. He wants us to do the miracles he did. He wants the church, everyone in the church, to be full of faith, to live by the gift of righteousness. Never go back to the beggarly elements of old covenant teaching. It's redundant. It's obsolete after the cross. Stay in the gift of righteousness. Keep your faith there. Don't slip back to a mixture of self-righteousness, gift of righteousness. Because when you do that, it's like Christ didn't even die for you. Now look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. Very clear scripture in its context. It says, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ you have fallen away from grace. You who are trying to be self-righteous, you are trying to be, I'm not talking about just city church, to anyone in the world, you who are trying to be self-righteous, you who are trying to be justified by the law, you who are trying to be justified by self-righteousness, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. You've made the promises worthless, Faith has no value. It's not difficult. Don't need to be a rocket scientist. This is simple exegesis of the Word of God in its context, and it's so clear. Now you may think, oh my gosh, if I'm alienated from Christ, which means cut off from Christ, I've fallen away from grace. Most legalistic, self-righteous people who are saved think, oh, I've lost my salvation. I'm not going to heaven. That's not what it's saying. The whole goal is not to get to heaven and miss hell. The whole goal is to walk in all the fullness of God's promises here on earth to manifest the kingdom and be like Jesus. Walk in the full consciousness of Christ that I'll explain about next week because this is important. You get this before we touch on next week. Otherwise, next week will be seen too far-fetched. But now, you're getting this. It's very clear. Now, you're still going to go to heaven if you're saved. But while you live on the earth, you won't have the effects of the cross. You won't have the effects of the promises. You won't have the effects of grace. You won't have the advantages of Christ. You'll be cut off from Christ, just as if he never died for you. Now, you might ask, well, Rob, this sounds radical. This is more radical than you could ever believe. Well, yes, you can believe this one day. You see, does what cuts us off from Christ? Now, self-righteous teaching says that sin 
cuts you off from Christ. Yes, under the old covenant. But under the new covenant, you have the gift of righteousness. You have everlasting righteousness. As Christ is your righteousness. So as long as Christ stays righteous, which you will, you are the righteousness of God. So what cuts you off from Christ? Is it your sin? I'm not encouraging you to sin. But if you sin, are you cut off from Christ? No. If you, are, if you sin, are you cut off from grace? No. You're united with Christ. You've been crucified with Christ. The life you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. You live in Christ. Christ lives in you. And you're eternally and infinitely taken out of first Adam's death and unbelief. And you're brought into Christ and His faith and His righteousness. You're united with Him. You can't get away. You can't cut yourself off from Christ. Because Galatians 2 20 says, you are united and you're one with Christ. Your life is hid with Christ. Christ is clothed with you and you are clothed with Christ. So what cuts you off from Christ? The influence of grace. Not sin, but being self-righteous. Now, I want, to, uh, I want to say something here. I want you to go and look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And we'll see something very powerful here. Are you still with me? Are we still okay? Everything's going good? Hey? What time are we finishing here? You guys have anywhere to run off to? <laughs> okay? Let's, let's look at this here. Galatians 3, verse 1 and verse 2. Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by believing what you heard. In other words, believing in the finished work of the cross. Believing all your sins were taken away forever, and you gained all of Christ's righteousness as a free gift. Let me read verse 2 again with our wordplay. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by self-righteousness, or by believing by faith in the gift of righteousness that comes from the cross? Notice Paul says, who has bewitched you? Now, bewitching... It's not a mistaken word. It's occultic power. It's demonic lies. It's doctrines of demons. Paul says in the last days and later times, the Spirit clearly says that people will be led astray into the teachings of lies, hypocritical liars, doctrines of demons. The whole purpose of satanic lies is to kill the promises, kill faith, kill the church, shut the church down, to only have a religious appearance, but to have no power in it. Because the devil does not want a church full of power. And the only way power comes is by coming into the new covenant and believing in the gift of righteousness and repenting of self-righteousness. And now look, if you read verse 5, and I'm going to read right through to verse 14. So listen to the word of God. It's so powerful. So again, I ask you, does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you because of the works of the law? Does he work miracles among you because of self-righteousness? Does he work miracles among you because of the works of the law? Or by you believing what you heard? That's faith. That's faith righteousness. Believing what happened on the cross. You've got an entire church that went from freedom and grace, freedom in the law, in, in the gift of righteousness. Paul the Apostle had labored here for months, pouring in the revelation of the gospel. And the entire church, not individuals, the entire Galatian church got bewitched by demonic lies, 
rejected, self, uh, rejected the gift of righteousness, the finished work of the cross, and went straight back under Moses' law. They went straight back under self-righteousness, and the move of the Spirit stopped. The supernatural stopped. Why? Because some... Um, oh, I've got to be careful here. Some people came up from Jerusalem and said to the Galatians, when Paul wasn't there, they said to, him, said to the whole church, Yes, Jesus saves you. Yes, Jesus gave you a gift of righteousness. But now, for you to go on to holiness, for you to go on and grow, you need to come back under the law, come back under the ceremonies, fulfill all the calendar dates, and, and put the law over each other, and be circumcised, and do all the old covenant things. What they did was, that's lies, that makes the promises of no worth, it cancels faith, and it puts them under an appearance of godliness, and it puts them into a place where they lack the power, they become alienated from Christ, it's just as if Christ didn't die for them. And if you read on into chapter 5, the moment they went under law, they started acting very ungodly, they started getting into envy, they started getting into orgies, they started getting into sexual immorality and drunkenness, and they went crazy with, with party spirits because they got back in the flesh under the law with no power of God operating in their lives. Parents of godliness but absolutely no divine power. Whole church. Now, CCR, just because we've heard grace for a few years, I know churches that are led by magnificent leaders who, who said recently, we believe that we need to go deeper and deeper and deeper into understanding the gift of righteousness, the finished work of the cross. We need to understand the devil's lies. He's been defeated. We're not afraid of him, but we are alert to his deceptions and his cunning craftiness. And so these magnificent men and women of God are so humble that they need to stay in a holy uh, alertness to make sure they're living in the gift of righteousness by faith and they're protected from the lie of going back to self-righteousness. And then you've got Christians who casually say, oh, well, I've heard enough messages. I've heard all this before. I know it all before. Listen, you may know it at a certain level, but you need to get it up to deeper and deeper and deeper levels I said before, if you're climbing a spiral staircase, yes, every time you come around to the same place, it's the same view. Oh, I've seen this before, I've seen this before. Yes, you have seen it before, but every time you climb higher, you're seeing it from a higher perspective. You're seeing more about it. You're getting greater clarity on it. You need, to, you need for the rest of your life <coughs> to wash yourself in the revelation of the gift of righteousness, the finished work of the cross, and the grace of God every day until there's no space in your conscience left for the devil to get a hold on your thinking. And when that happens, you carry the consciousness of Christ and you will raise the dead. You'll see blind eyes open and you'll see what I said this morning about a lady at a big bump. It was cancer. It was a big growth. It was, she was going to die. The doctors didn't know what to do with it. And in a flash of a divine consciousness. Glenda and I very, didn't shout, didn't scream, just laid our hands on her very quickly, and within a few days, boom, that whole bump had gone. Doctor was shocked. That's a one-off thing, and we've seen things like that a number of times, regularly. Not regularly, often. But I tell you, I've got so much more to grow into. I'm climbing that staircase and seeing it clearer and clearer. In City Church, we invite all of you to climb and climb this spiral staircase with us till we've got the full revelation and we're operating in the fullness of God. And you will see when we gather together publicly, there already will be a higher realm operating in us. Amen, amen. I can hear you saying amen. 
And then in the next verse, the verse 6, he says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham got all the promises of God happened in his life because he never relied on the law because there was no law. He was living 430 years before Moses. So Abraham was a man of faith. He wasn't a man of self-righteousness. He didn't do everything right, but God so abundantly blessed him. He was the first man to minister healing to someone else. First man in the entire Bible could minister healing. And he wasn't a perfect man, but he was credited with righteousness because he had faith in the goodness of God. Understand, th understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. Those who rely on the gift of righteousness are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely, for all, say all, for all who rely on the works of the law, for all who rely on their self-righteousness, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith, by the gift of righteousness. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, listen, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Through the gift of righteousness we receive the promise of the Spirit. Everything God promised to Abraham has happened. And you are the seed of Abraham. Now, I want to, I just want to quickly, uh, quickly, give me a couple of minutes, uh, Pentecostal. We've got time. Okay. I, 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 I want to, I, I don't want to just leave it hanging there. I really, I really want to seal this and make it a little bit more practical and uh, Something that you can get handled on and grab it, and, and you can hear the alarm bells going in a good way, not a negative way, because you can't produce miracles out of pressure. I'm not trying to produce pressure in you or me. Um, the greatest miracles happen when you're relaxed. The greatest miracles happen when you're not trying to produce them. What happens in the greatest miracles, it's not in the moment. It's what's preceded that moment over the preceding weeks or months or years that you've leaned into the revelation of the gift of righteousness. You've been on your watch against a devil, a liar, a murderer. You've been on your watch. You're not waiting for someone else to watch you. You are guarding your heart with all diligence to make sure what's coming out of it is not self-righteousness. And I'll identify self-righteousness in a phrase in a moment. But you, when you come to the moment where that woman had a seven months, big bulge, you come to that moment, my consciousness was not looking at what I could see. My consciousness went calm. I went into serenity. I went into tranquility. And I was in agreement with Glenda, who prays for the sick amazingly. And boom, a mighty miracle took place. I didn't break sweat. It took about five seconds. Long prayers are often prayers of unbelief. Jesus prayed short prayers. Rise up and walk. Be healed. 
That's where City Church is going. When Christians begin to move more and more into self-righteousness, they begin to accuse other Christians of being worldly Christians. You're worldly because they do that or they do that. Well, I want to close with this and say, uh, more than close, I want to give you some scripture. But self-righteousness is worldly. Self-righteousness is the corrupt wisdom of this world. All legalism, the New Testament calls being worldly. And you see, wisdom is the ability to use knowledge successfully. So you've got people who have lots of knowledge. Because I can go home. I've got a thing on my table. I can just push the button and say, hey, Google, what about this? What about this? I know you've got Siri on your phone. I don't know things that much. But I can find out anything I want, knowledge. And so you've got people full of all this knowledge. You can puff up with knowledge and opinions. But because they don't operate in wisdom, they can't do a thing. It's like they can't keep relationships long. They've got no success. They never follow through. But if you sit in a group or committee, they will give you the endless opinions and information that is all useless because they've achieved nothing. See, wisdom is the ability to use knowledge successfully. Now, legalism is a worldly wisdom, and it gives you the ability to use demonic lies successfully. That's what we've got in the earth today. People are operating by worldly, demonic, satanic wisdom, and they're using that wisdom to use satanic lies to deceive Christians. They come to you and they intimidate you because of grace. They like the circumcision party. They like the people that say, we just love God and we want holiness and we want everyone to be holy. If you check in their lives, they're not living moral lives. They are liars. They're speaking by their father, the devil. Watch out for the worldly wisdom. It is a corrupted wisdom. It is legalism. The wisdom of God is the wisdom of the cross. The wisdom of God opens your eyes to the goodness of God, to grace, to the gift of righteousness, fills you with the consciousness of Christ. The wisdom of God gives you a pure heart and you sow in peace and reap harvests of righteousness. The wisdom of God will make the promises of great effect. The wisdom of God will make faith valuable to you. The wisdom of God will say yes to every promise. The wisdom of God ultimately is the wisdom of the cross. Now, we need to see that. If you go to Genesis 3, I'm going to read it today. Genesis 3. Jesus said the devil is a liar and he was a murderer from the beginning. The word Genesis means the beginnings. It's in the book of Genesis you see murder. He murdered Adam and Eve through lies and they were deceived. And you'll see that, that he said if you eat, God came to Adam and Eve. Well, he came to Adam and he said to Adam, you can eat from the tree of, the, of life, but don't eat from the tree of knowledge. So you've got two trees that represent two wisdoms. The tree of life represents the cross of Jesus Christ, the finished work of the cross. The tree of life is a tree, not of religion, it's a tree of life. It's a tree of supernatural. It's a tree of refreshing. It's a tree of power. When you eat from the tree of life, you get God's life. You get God's energy. You get God's anointing. You get God's power. You get renewed and and supernaturally charged. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, don't eat from that tree. Because if you eat from that tree, you will surely die spiritually. Now you say, well, why did God put a tree in there? I mean, why didn't he just not put that one in there. Because the whole issue of God, we've got to understand, philosophers make this complicated. The Bible makes it simple. 
God is more interested in you having free will than in anything else. And He only wants people that choose Him and they're not manipulated into the kingdom. He has to make the options available in order to not reduce us to robotic people that are just robotic religious people that just say, I love you, Jesus. I don't want my wife, Glenda, to do things robotically. I want her to love me with free will. And that means I have to have real relationship with her. And that's what God wants. He has to always give you a choice. He actually gives you a choice. In Deuteronomy chapter... Mm, seven, I think it is. Anyway, you can read. It's in Deuteronomy. God says to Israel, I set before you life and blessings and death. I set before you life or death. I set before you life or death. Now, choose life. Now, just in case you don't know, God's saying, you got the choice, Israel, life or death. Now, I say to you, choose life. In case you don't know which one to choose, I advise you, choose life. And what did most of them do? They chose death. Now, hear me now. That's quoted again in Romans 10. Brings it into the New Testament. They've got two trees to choose from. They both represent the wisdom of the cross or the corrupted wisdom of this world. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, religion is based on if I do enough good and not much evil, I get rewarded. That is self-righteousness. It's trying to do enough good and avoiding evil. Now that's how the principles of the corrupted wisdom of this world operates. And it's self-righteousness because it goes, well, I'm good enough. God has to bless me. He owes me a blessing because I've done more good than I've done evil. My good is higher up than my evil. That kind of thinking looks wise and it actually says that the tree appeared to have wisdom so that Eve took it. It's a wisdom of self-righteousness and it opens your spiritual eyes to shame to condemnation, to guilt. It cuts you off from God, cuts you off from fellowship with God, deep fellowship, and it makes you feel arrogant and prideful and they blame each other and they blame God. That's the fruit of what self-righteousness will produce. Churches that are full of self-righteousness, you don't want to go there, man. It's, it's like in Australia, we say to people, if you're bleeding, don't swim with the sharks. If you're bleeding, they'll wipe you out. If you're in a self-righteous church, you've got to be a total hypocrite. You've got to hide everything. You're ashamed of everything. The promises are worthless. No signs and mighty miracles happening. Form of godliness. But the power is denied. That's because lies murder the promises. Murder faith and make the promises of no worth. And so let's read it here. God has told them this. If you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And we'll see here. Uh, see, the word of God is good. And I'm amazed how we, sometimes we rush through the word of God. I know people are busy. But in this time, people have got a little bit more time. And we're influenced by so many opinions. And when the anointing comes and brings the word of God, it's like it says the entrance of his light comes through the word. As we stand in the light, we see more light. The Word of God is like a lamp to our feet, lighting up our pathways. As I'm talking here, lights are going on, and you're seeing things. Let me show you this here. It's, this is what Satan says to Eve. Verse 4 of Genesis 3. You will, certain, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food 
and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they did it for themselves called self-righteousness. Fig tree religion will never fix up self-righteousness. It will never fix up the problem of the knowledge of good and evil. The next verse, verse 8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This is the ambivalence, what self-righteousness does, the knowledge of good and evil. What it does is it makes people have a form of godliness and a very distant relationship with God. They don't know God. They actually don't know. Millions that go to church have no clue really who God is. They're hiding in the fig tree religion with a form of godliness. They deny the power. These two fell upon each other. Adam and Eve, for the first time, once they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, once they went into self-righteousness, their spirits died and their intellect took over their spirit and their reason dominated revelation. That's what the human being walking on the planet without Christ, they, are, they have, they have a, a human consciousness, but their spirit has died and their reasoning dominates revelation. So they're full of opinions, they've got lots of knowledge and they're operating in the wisdom of this world. But when you're in Christ, you get new creation and you get the wisdom of the cross and you speak as an oracle of God. You speak by the supernatural utterances of the Holy Spirit. You walk in the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit and you flow in the supernaturals of God. You, in the Spirit of God, never walking in self-righteousness or doing your best to be conscious of it and repent of it, stay in faith and the gift of righteousness, you will live in the power of God every single day of your life. For 44 years, I've been walking in this power. 45 years of marriage. It doesn't happen by accident, mate. You've got to stay in the super. We have seen blind eyes open. We have seen deaf ears and cripples walk because this is the gospel. This is for every person in Christ. Stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from self-righteousness. It will cause you to come into pride, arrogance, blaming everyone. They, Adam and Eve blamed God, blamed the serpent. Adam blamed God for giving him his wife. The wife blamed Adam and blamed the serpent. Friends, that's chaos. Now, I want to say this, that when you, when you and I, and I think we've all done this, so it's no condemnation, we get to some point in our life and we go, oh Lord, I don't deserve to be healed. I'm so unworthy. I'm so sinful. Oh God, I don't deserve to be healed. I don't deserve to have miracles work through me. I don't deserve any of that. That is false humility and that is self-righteousness. Whenever you hear Christians say, oh, I don't deserve it. I'm sinful. I'm so sinful. I don't deserve it. You're speaking under self-righteousness and false humility. You've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're not eating from the tree of life. You're not eating from the finished work of the cross. And it's like Jesus hasn't even died. Your attitude should be, Father, I am so grateful that you love me so much, that Christ gave himself for me, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm going to listen to this teaching year after year, decade after decade. And I'm going to climb higher and higher on a spiral staircase until I see things clearer and clearer and clearer. I have an everlasting righteousness. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everything Christ inherited at the right hand of the Father, 
I have inherited. When he raised up from the dead, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. When he sat down at the right hand of the Father, he re-inherited as a man everything he already had as God. And you're an equal heir with Christ and an heir of God. You're in perfect union inseparably with Christ. You are the righteousness of God. Walk in that gift of righteousness. Put your shoulders back. Lift your head up and say, I'm becoming miracle conscious. I'm becoming righteousness conscious. I am not allowing my eyes to be opened to the corruption of the knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes were open to shame, guilt, confusion, fear, hiding from God, hating each other, blaming God. Let me tell you, self-righteous religion, law-based religion, it, is produ- it produces the worst immorality you can imagine. Pedophilia comes out of self-righteous based religion. Gender abuse comes out of self-righteousness. Racism comes out of self-righteous religions, whether it's Christian, Christian law religion or Islam religion or Buddhism religion or any religion you want. They are as cruel as you can get. The kind of immorality hiding behind the scenes in Hong Kong, it looks like it's all law and rule and order and fine. But behind the scenes, as a pastor, I know I've got to counsel people. There's rape going on. There's abuse going on. There's some high crime rates and serious drug addictions, high levels of suicide and hopelessness. And Christianity has been here for over 100 years. Why? What happened to the salt? What happened to the light? Why does, we've got churches all over. Knowledge of good and evil is destructive. And Jesus died to redeem us from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he is the tree of life. Now, I want to just read this. I want to read scripture and close. I'm just going to read it without comment. And I want to read it and close. Because this, you will see, those who are still there. Do we have anyone left? (laughs) Anyone gone? Woo! Bless you, God. I want you to turn quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to literally read this wonderful word of God. The scripture that makes it so clear. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Lights are going on right now. Look at this. I'm talking about self-righteousness versus the gift of righteousness. Self-righteousness makes the promises worthless and makes faith nothing and of no value. When we walk in the gift of righteousness... And we see it clearer and clearer and clearer. We'll see more and more of the promises. Yes, yes, yes. And the power of the blessing, the power of the supernatural will increase. So if you want a a comparison here, I would say this. The wisdom of this world is self-righteousness. The wisdom of the cross, the wisdom of God, is the gift of righteousness. The wisdom of this world is corrupt. It's religious. It has a form of godliness, but it lacks supernatural power because it makes the promises worthless. Self-righteousness is a corrupted wisdom of this world, full of arrogant philosophers, preachers of the law. And I want to say this, this word I'm about to read by the Spirit of God, it is prophesying a period of the time on this earth that I believe we're living in right now. All across the earth where you see people growing in knowledge, because of Google and many other information sources. And I'm not against knowing as much as you can know. I agree with that. But always get wisdom. Get wisdom because it's the primary thing. If you get lots of knowledge, the tree of the knowledge, 
If you get lots of knowledge but you don't get wisdom, that knowledge will be destructive in your life. You need the, the wisdom of the finished work of the cross. You need the wisdom of the gift of righteousness. Amen. And you will see how ridiculous this whole idea that religion has produced on self-righteousness. It is the most damnable, dangerous crime against humanity. It has destroyed the, power, the operation of the church operating. We should have been at the measure of the full stature of Christ now, 2,000 years later, but we've been through dark ages. We've been, we're crawling out of the dark ages, endless lies against this. Today you've heard a word that's not confusing. It is very, very clear. And if you know I come from my Father who loves me, then you can understand what I'm saying because you are delivered from lies and clarity comes to you. Now Paul the Apostle made it clear here that he was not called to count how many people he baptized. He said, look, I do baptize people, but that's not my main calling. He said, my calling is to preach the gospel without the wisdom of man, without the wisdom of this world. Because he said, if I preach the gospel by the wisdom of man, I will empty. He said, if I preach the cross with the wisdom of man, let me say it again. He said, if I preach the cross by the wisdom of man, I will empty the cross of its power. If I preach self-righteousness, it will be like Christ died, did not die. I'm going to say that again. He's saying, if I preach the cross with the wisdom of this world, it will empty the cross of its power. It will be like Christ died for nothing. And I listen to this because it's a, it's a passage and I want, to, I want you to see that self-righteous people are going to be so frustrated in these days. Arrogant, prideful, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil are going to be so frustrated in these days. But those of you who keep climbing that spiral staircase and you're seeing the gift of righteousness from higher and higher realms and you're understanding the gift of righteousness and how permanent it is, you're going to see the increase of the supernatural of God in your life. So this is, I'm reading now from, from verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Amazing stuff. You need to read that through and meditate and reflect on that. Now, now, now what it says now in, in the end of that chapter, it says that the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the cross means that Christ is your righteousness, Christ is your holiness, and Christ is your redemption. That's God's wisdom. It's not self-righteousness. It's not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the tree of life. You see, when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do you know that the Bible says God cut Adam and Eve off from the tree of life? He put a, 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 an angel with a sword flashing. They could not get back to the tree of life because they ate of the, 
knowledge of good and evil. But here, it says here in verse 30, verse 30 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, let, let, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Now, I'll read one more scripture, and then I'm closed. Are we, are we okay with all technology? Okay. Now here, this, uh, the context is self-explanatory in the light of everything I've said about self-righteousness is corrupted wisdom. The gift of righteousness is the wisdom of God. It is the wisdom of the cross. And self-righteousness will make the promises of no effect worthless and make faith nothing, give you a form of godliness without the power. But the gift of righteousness will make you increasingly live and walk in the consciousness of Christ, in the supernatural and in the miraculous. So hear this last reading now. Thank you for going on with this marathon. Well done for pacing yourselves. Hope you're taking energy drinks. <laughs> it's the second time I've preached today. Anyway, here it goes. One, two, three. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, which are the demonic rulers, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's, th who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received, believers hear this in self-righteousness, hear this in the gift of righteousness, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand by revelation what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit of God. 
You know, there's not brands of Christianity. There's only one gospel. When you say there's a full gospel, what you're implying is there must be a half gospel, a quarter gospel. Paul didn't say that. In Galatians chapter 1, he said, I'm astonished at you, Galatians, that you're turning to another gospel, which is no gospel at all. There's only one gospel. And you know, we can only be united in one gospel. Paul says to Galatians, you're all being bewitched, and you're turning away from the gospel I preached to you, and you're turning to another gospel, which is no gospel at all. In other words, there's only one gospel, and it's this gospel that brings the gift of righteousness that is by faith and brings the promises of God into manifestation. Any gospel that you then add the Lord to and mix in self-righteousness to cancels the gospel like Jesus never died, and it is no gospel at all. So when you see law added to the gospel, it makes it no gospel at all. It's another gospel which is no gospel at all. And so there's not brandings of the gospel. There's not ranges of the gospel. It's not A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There's only one gospel that is so self-evident and clear right throughout the Scripture. And if we, the church, because I speak on behalf of the whole church, I speak to CCR, but I speak on behalf of the whole church. If we, the church, just stopped mixing the gospel with something that's not the gospel and stayed in that, walking up and stayed with it and stopped saying, I don't want to hear that again. I've heard that so many times before. Keep seeing it from higher and higher areas and we will keep going until we're seeing the full manifestation of the miracles Jesus did and the greater works and the blessing of Abraham and nations being exposed to the power and the love of God and hundreds of millions and billions coming to know Christ. If the church around the world taught the one gospel and the only gospel that can be taught, if we all were teaching this, we would already be in the unity of the Spirit and we would all be in the unity of the faith. All these endless fraternity and meetings and attempts to get the church united we would not have to waste our time with all of that if we all preached the one gospel. See, Paul could not fellowship with people who added the Lord to the gospel. He actually protected the churches from those people. And so the gospel of Jesus unites the church and will produce the miraculous. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for brothers and sisters that have sat for such a long time to listen to the word of God, the clarity. And today, Lord, we ask you for the Holy Spirit to confirm this truth with signs following, for the Holy Spirit to be magnified and manifest in tangible power. Impart to us, Lord, a greater consciousness, a greater certainty, a greater clarity, a greater insight and understanding. Lord, by the power of your word that will never return to you void, but your word always comes back to you and prospers in the things for which you sent it. You watch over your word to perform it, I pray now, Father, of every brother and sister in Christ Jesus, that the power of this gospel, the power of the gift of righteousness, will deliver us, each one of us, from every lie, every deception of the Father of all lies, from false gospels and false teachings and the traditions of men. We declare City Church rises up to a new level of freedom in the truth, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you right now for miracles happening. We thank you, Lord, for that wrist that was healed last Sunday. What a wonderful testimony. And we believe, Father, that you would work your miracles through us to others in Jesus' name. Isn't it wonderful that the Bible says that every promise that God has made, no no matter how many, are all yes in Christ. Thank God he didn't say all the promises are yes 
in self-righteousness. The promises are only yes in Christ. God bless you. Have a great week. And get ready for next Sunday. I'm telling you, we're going to take this on this foundation. We're going up into another level. The Lord bless you. Amen.